Detours with Regina Brett, where we help you create a life you love out of the life you have. Thanks for joining me. I'm your host, Regina Brett. Face the brutal facts and never lose hope. Know that God is in control. Count your blessings. Live every day to the fullest. Those are just a few of the lessons Greg Justice learned when his wife, Nancy, was diagnosed with a deadly form of brain cancer and their lives were turned upside down. Her story was spotlighted on the TV show 60 Minutes when she agreed to participate in a clinical trial that used polio to kill her tumor. Unfortunately, the treatment couldn't save her. Then just two months after Nancy died, Greg was diagnosed with stage four non-small cell lung cancer. He never smoked a day in his life. The five-year survival rate, only four people out of 100 last five years. Then Greg did something wild and daring. He tossed aside his old life and started a brand new one. He quit his job of 30 years. He traveled the world and he fell in love with life and with a beautiful soul named Mary. He's still very much alive. He's in year three of his new marriage and in year four of his diagnosis. And he's here to talk about squeezing all the life you can out of life. Greg, thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. Wow. You know, I followed your journey because Nancy is my cousin. Nancy's dad, Joe, was my dad's brother. So we were like right in there on Facebook and talking to cousins. And it was quite a journey she took. And I wonder if you could just quickly paint a picture of your life kind of before cancer interrupted. I was responsible for our Regal Boats operations in Georgia. So uh, I was running a plant with... uh, time we had about 218 employees and it was it was hard we were a satellite plant building boats 250 miles from where all the engineers were so running the plant was a challenge then the economy took a hit we we went down to 60 employees i'd get a call like on a friday night from one of the co-owners, Tim Cook, who's been so instrumental in my life. And he's like, Greg, I'm sorry, but it it looks like, you know, we're just going to have to shut this thing down. And struggled through that. And then Nancy's diagnosis, it's like, oh, you know, how much more can can a person take? You know, and then when the first doctor talked to us, he was matter of fact. He didn't tell us anything that was untrue. I don't think he was purposefully trying to paint a bleak picture. He was just trying to to get us ready for the challenge that we faced. But the way he came across, you know, as as he was speaking, I'm like, you know, there's no way I'm going to let this guy operate on my wife. We started looking for other care, and we didn't know really which way to turn. We were like lost in a wilderness. When I looked it up on the Internet and saw the survival rates and read about it. It was uh, it looked like pretty bleak times ahead. And then I have a doctor friend, the guy who just texted me and told me everything looks good. He called me up and says, Greg, he said, buddy, this is not going to be a sprint. He said, this is going to be a marathon. Get ready. He was brutally honest, but he loved me. So I could take that. So we started looking for other care My boss, Tim Cook, the one I I mentioned earlier, had a friend who had a friend who was a renowned neurosurgeon 
and we got an appointment with them. And uh, while long term things didn't look good, short term things tremendously brightened. And it's amazing, you know, sometimes the facts don't change, it's there. But what a little hope will do for your, your spirit, you know, and it, it was the morning of Nancy's surgery. And then let me just pause for a moment. So Nancy had glioblastoma multiform, which is multiforma. And it's a really deadly form of brain cancer. Right. It's an aggressive, deadly form of brain cancer. They did surgery and uh, they removed everything that they can see. But the problem is uh, GBM is infiltrative. So there's little tendrils going out and they can get the bulk of the tumor but they can never remove everything. Inevitably, it recurs. So eventually, that's what happened with Nancy. But we had three and a half years of remission. And man, oh, the things we learned. I mean, we were loved. Who would have thought? We knew we had good friends. But, you know, the love that was poured out, Oh, my gosh. And, you know, sometimes, and and I feel this way at at times, it's like somebody gets sick and it's like, oh, I want to call them. I want to talk to them. But no, you know, they're being inundated. I don't want to bother them. But, you know, I encourage people to make those calls. Don't time up for hours, but just to let them know you're thinking about them. Love them. And when it all boils down to it, it's what it's about. It's about love. Well, I remember Nancy's sister, Diane, shared your kind of your pillars that you leaned on. And one was face the brutal facts, but never lose hope. And I like that because sometimes people want to deny things to feel better. But your attitude was, let's face it head on, but let's also not lose hope. It was kind of like a parallel walk, so to speak. Absolutely. I mean, we had God. You know, I knew that God could heal her in an instant. But I also know that throughout history, the way statistics are, you know, with the research that I did, that if you're looking for a sign from God, the fact that you have a GBM, well, right there's your sign. So we never lost hope. The people at Duke, those, those good doctors thought that they had come up with a possible cure. And Oh, man, when we were accepted into that after her tumor recurred, I'll never forget the drive to Duke after she had had a couple of seizures and, you know, the way we felt. But after finding out, you know, the possibilities and it's like our attitude changed. And I want to say this, that when you get a, a horrible diagnosis, life's not over. For us, it was like the best part was just beginning. And we had a good life up till then. You know, I've got that little website that I I post some stories on. And, uh, you know, I compared myself to Thoreau, quite men living uh, quite lives of desperation. And, I, you know, I wasn't living in desperation, but I wasn't living to the fullest. But after that, it's like, hmm. And I learned how to love expecting nothing back unconditionally, exuberantly. And uh, 
one of my biggest thrills during that time was Nancy looking at me and deepening my eyes and saying, I never realized how much you loved me. You know, and to tell you the truth, I didn't either. That's beautiful, Greg. So Nancy went into a clinical trial at Duke University Medical Hospital where they injected a polio virus to try to kill the cancer. And she was on 60 Minutes. People can Google Nancy Justice 60 Minutes. You can watch her. And she had such a grace about her. And you talk about her having courage and really not complaining. What was it like those, you know, once she had that treatment up until she died, just what was that part of the journey like, that kind of mystery part? It was ups and downs. The polio virus wakes up your immune system. It's actually injected into the tumor. The polio virus itself kills part of the tumor, but then your immune system attacks those cells that were affected by the polio, and suddenly they recognize the cancer cells. So that destroys it. And it worked great for a few patients, but uh, all of them had swelling associated with the immune response. And, you know, you got your brain encased in your skull and no place for the swelling to go. So there was, you know, at times some fairly significant side effects. You know, one doctor visit, things would really be looking good. And one time uh, it was as if, somebody had taken an eraser and erased three quarters of the tumor. And it's like, oh man, this is good. And, you know, we had three years before the tumor recurred. And then about a year and a half after the tumor recurred. But uh, that was intense years, good years. We wanted to uh, make the most of it. We had Zach getting ready to go. Well, he was already in tech at the time. Yeah, two sons. Uh, you have Luke, two sons. Yeah. Zach was at Georgia Tech. Luke had started at the University of Georgia. And, you know, it was it was very difficult for them being at school. But I was so intent, you know, I thought, you know, I personally thought I was going to cure the cancer. I got into research and I I'd start talking to the talking to the doctors, asking questions, and depending on which doctor and the questions I was asking, they're like, oh, wait, stop. You know, you're getting a little deep. That's not the part I'm looking at. That's not what I'm treating. You know, I'm looking at this. But I finally got to meet Dr. Grohmeyer, who developed the treatment. And uh, so we were doing an interview with Scott Pelley, and Scott took... Dr. Gromar into the labs first, and I was left outside with his grad students, and Zach and Luke were there. So I thought, man, this is a, a chance to, to pick some people's brains. So I started asking the questions, and we got in deep, and finally one of them stops and says, well, what kind of medicine do you study? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm not a doctor. Well, what is your field? And I'm like, I'm a boat builder. But the greatest part about that was, was my boys were there. They had seen me all of this, you know, talking about these things and sharing with them. And they're like, oh, dad, you know, dad. And uh, then when they heard that, they're like, oh, dad. <laughs> I kind of impressed them. So great. Yeah. Unfortunately, you lost Nancy, a beautiful woman. I mean, my cousin, I loved her. She was such a gentle soul. 
did you get a chance to really kind of say goodbye? I mean, I know you've been on that roller coaster for so long. When it was time for her to go, did was the family able to kind of say a goodbye to her? Yeah, Diane and JB had come down the week before. She really took a, a hit for the worst. But while they were there, she didn't talk hardly any. And she had begun to have problems finding words. And I thought that's why she did. But after they left, you know, I realized that, wow, she just can't communicate now. And, uh, you know, I got up to go to work on a Monday morning and tried to rouse her up and couldn't get her up. And I went to work, came back home to check on her, ended up taking her to the emergency room. And at that point, they life-flighted her back to Duke. And I drove up. They wouldn't let me fly up with her. 60 Minutes came in, you know, for that. They were always there when we were at Duke. And I I tell you, they were such a support for me. A young producer named Katie Brennan was there. And uh, another producer, the one that was over the show and really did the thing was Denise Seda. And they they become like family. So, and, and Denise came and spoke at Nancy's funeral. So, you know, they tried to keep their distance, but Nancy was such a sweetheart. And, you know, during that time, she was so brave. She never complained. I mean, I know how I feel, you know, waiting on this daggone PET scan to come back. What she must have been going through, you know, was so difficult. You know, and the one part you didn't mention is right before her tumor recurred, I had triple bypass heart surgery. So as she started going downhill, you know, I was at home recovering with, you know, open heart surgery. So throw all of that stuff in there together. You know, when people hear that, it's like, wow, your wife had a GBM, suffered with that. You had triple bypass heart surgery. Uh, And then a couple of months after she passed away, you're diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. But I, I look back on that time and it's like, It's not with dread. I wouldn't choose to do it again, Mm -hmm. but with what I've learned and where it's brought me to today, I wouldn't trade it for anything. And then, okay, so my doctor, you know, I get a a good result on PET scan and he says, Greg, you got good health right now. You know, you're recovering from your chemo. He said, if you want to do something with your boys, he said, you better do it now, you know, meaning that next pet scanner, the one after that, it's probably not going to turn out so good because that's, you know, the way things have happened for so many people. So I went and I talked to the co-owner of Regal, who's my bo- who was my boss at the time, and he said, Greg, you got to go. He said, take this opportunity. He says, we need you here. But you can always, if you want to, you can always come back and work for Regal. But man, you you got to take this time you got and spend it with your boys and travel. So, so after my doctor told me that, I was having dinner with good friends who were here last night. I, I cooked a big dinner, and their son, or their daughter rather, was marrying a guy from Brazil, and they they had a, a ceremony in Valdosta. 
And then they were going to do the same thing again in Brazil for his family. Zach was in the wedding. He was Mitch's best buddy. You know, they had been best friends since the eighth grade. And uh, so they had been trying to get me to go, but got this plan I'm responsible for. And I didn't want to leave it for over two weeks. So we're sitting there having dinner and, and the doctor who just called me and said, my scan looked good or texted me and said, my scan looked good. He was having dinner with us. And I said, you know, I'm kind of struggling about this trip. I want to go. But then again, and Will got really quiet, very solemn, kind of looked down and looked at me out of the side of his eyes and said, Greg, take this time to spend with your boys. And it's like, you know, I had to do that. So I did. Had a great time in Brazil. Well, before I went to Brazil, the boys and I took a two-week trip out west and went to a bunch of national parks, which was great. Came back, went on that trip to Brazil. While I was in Brazil, I got a call from Regal, and they said, hey, we've got a 30-foot, 33-foot luxury performance, but we just came out. We've got in Bahamas now doing some testing. They said, we've got a bungalow there for you, the boat, and we want to fly you and a bunch of your friends over there to have a good time on Regal. <laughs> you believe that? That's what's so, called a cancer perk, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So not everybody gets that opportunity. And like I said, I don't know why I've been so blessed. I haven't done anything to deserve so much that that I've been blessed with. But, you know, that's just a reminder that, man, God loves us. And a few of the things that you're at, I mean, he loves us unconditionally. And, ah, to realize that is like, God, you really love me like that. Let me pause for just a minute because we are already at the halfway mark. And I just want to thank all those listening to Little Detours with Regina Brett. I know you have many podcast choices and I'm really grateful that you're listening to mine and to listening to our guest, Greg Justice. Greg, I just want to backtrack for a second because. Yeah, I'll go for it. No, it's just, to me, it was so profound that you know, this journey with Nancy for, for a lot, for years, and then she died and everyone's grieving. And then we find out that you have stage four lung cancer two months after she died. I mean, it just rocked the whole family. I mean, the, the shock waves, you know, I'm in Cleveland and you guys are in Georgia and uh, I couldn't believe it. And your sons are young and, you know, they just lost their mom and we're worried are they going to lose your dad. And then you did what you had to do. But when you kind of went on this track of really I call it living the hell out of life. Like you just really embrace life in a big, bold way. I think at first I was like, wow, what is he doing? And then I thought, well, why not? I mean, you know, this is life. And I think so many people are kind of tiptoeing through life and cancer like puts the gas on the, on your life. It hits the gas pedal. And so this trip you're talking about, I mean, this was a huge shift for a guy who, you know, went to work every day, 30 years, and then loses his wife, and then... Only like seven years without a vacation. Seven years without a vacation. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So the shift that you took to really kind of jump into life, how hard was that for you to kind of leave that old steady Eddie life and go, wow, I'm going to go see the world and take risks? Well, the thing I worried about more than anything else was finances. I didn't think I had a long time. So I thought the money I'd had would last. 
But the way I was going through money, it's like if I don't die soon, <laughs> if I don't watch, if I don't, if I don't watch what I'm doing, then uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to go back to work. But it, it was just worry. I mean, Mary and I are not rolling in the dough, but we're we're, we're okay. I just had an accident and uh, totaled my 2006 Toyota Sequoia. And I had to get another vehicle. Otherwise, I'd still be driving it. You you hear people talk about how Joe was, Joe Brett, Nancy's dad was kind of tight. I mean, I spent money and had a good time, but I wasn't stupid either. So we're okay. Well, I don't know how long we'll be okay for, but don't know how long I'm going to last. But Mary's not working now, you know, my the, the lady I remarried. And we, we need to get to that part because that's a really good story. Well, yeah. So, okay. So you let go of Nancy, beautiful woman. You end up stage four lung cancer and you do the treatment. You do the chemo, you do the radiation, you've done the whole treatment. You set off to travel the world, you know, with your sons. And then you fall in love again. And it was pretty quick. Tell us about that. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Just a little background. When I was younger... I was the wild child. You know, I was looking at your bio and it sounded a a little bit like me. I ended up with a regents degree and that's kind of a degree for just going to college. But I studied civil engineering. I mean, I learned a lot. You know, I didn't make good grades at all. But, you know, you know, how much do you remember out of a class after you leave? But, you know, I got the the math and I could communicate and I could write good technical uh, reports. So that really helped me in my career. And I was a hard worker, if nothing else. You know, I played sports. Uh, I ran track, uh, played football. I wrestled. I wrestled a little bit in college. So for me, when I went to work, it was a physical thing. And that helped me grow, and you know, quickly and get into leadership. But it was hard for me to put the tools down and lead. I had to learn. So I just started reading a ton of books. You know, one thing I didn't say is, you know, one semester I dropped out and lived in the woods. I was student government president at West Virginia Tech at the time. I dropped out a semester and lived in the woods and ran a trap line and hunted and just had a great time. You know, when I quit work, it was kind of like reliving that, doing the things I loved without the guilt and uh, dropping out of school. I don't regret not working a bit. I enjoy life so much right now. So where did Mary come in? Okay. After going, Nancy and I, in our journey and losing Nancy and knowing how difficult that was, although it was so meaningful and God was right there with us the whole time. I mean, yeah, it was hard. I call it the beautiful, horrible journey, mm. you know, because parts of it were horrible. But, man, the way we loved and the way we were loved, the way our friends ministered to us. But I didn't want to drag anybody through that. And so I, I told my sister, I said, you know, I need companionship. I'm not looking for uh, a great love affair. I just want somebody I can take out and have dinner with talk to every once in a while. And when they find that guy, I can be a sounding board 
you know, for them. And, uh, you know, I didn't want sex to get in the way because I want to have a good testimony. So I knew it wasn't going to be easy, but, you know, it's like, you don't have to do that. You know, I told her, I said, you know, I'm just looking for companionship. And she said, well, I have a friend, but I don't know. And then she said, well, how tall are you? I mean, what do you mean, how tall? <laughs> and you know, it turns out Mary's about almost an inch taller than I am. So she says, well, you know, I'll see if, if she wants to meet you. So we met. And, I mean, we were brutally honest with each other the first five minutes. You know, uh, well, the first thing that happened was, you know, I walk over to my sister's house and I look in the back door. And I see this beautiful black-haired lady sitting upright in a chair. I thought, ooh, she's pretty. Because when Sherry started asking me all those questions, I thought, she must not be very pretty. And I assured Sherry. I said, look, she can be ugly. I'm just looking for companionship. (laughs) (laughs) So we shared with each other, and I told her about my health and how I was just looking for a friend, a female companion, not companion companion, but you know, a female friend. And, you know, she says, well, you know, my husband was not a, a good husband. I've been separated him for seven years and found out she hadn't even been on a date for seven years. And, uh, and she was, she was in counseling. My, my sister was one of her counselors. She shared with me, you know, the hurt she'd experienced. And but she said, God's promised me a husband. And I've had people prophesy you know, out of the blue and say, your husband's right around the corner. And God didn't tell me anything about an intern step. So you're evidently not for me. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, oh, wow, shot down by God. But we, before I left, we agreed that we'd go out for coffee or something like that. I was coming back for my nephew's graduation that she lived in central Florida. So came back from my nephew's graduation on the way down. I texted her and she says, well, you're on my, you know, you've been on my heart. And I'm, you know, and I thought there was no way she was going to go out with me, but we ended up going out. We went to Disney Springs and on my website, I have a story called Disney Springs Lover's Paradise. And I'm pretty sure that we had the best first date in the history of the world. I can remember that date and, See those little details like when we were waiting in, in line to be seated or to see the hostess at uh, Gloria Esteban's restaurant at Disney Springs, and they were playing this upbeat Latin music, and she was just standing there, very muted, not trying to be noticed, but just almost imperceptibly moving to the music. And I'm like, wow, she likes to dance. I, I love to dance. So eventually, you know, we have dinner and, and when we shared, oh, we shared, talked honestly, we didn't hold anything back. And I thought, you know, marriage and a, a loving relationship, I'm not going to drag anybody through that. I don't want to get them hooked. And then they feel obligated to hang out and, you know, hang around. And, but I thought, man, if I was, it would be with somebody just like her. So we go out and first place we come to, they're playing uh, country music. And it was like, 
all these people, but it's like the Red Sea parted. We walked up and there was this wall we could sit on and we're sitting there bumping shoulders. And, you know, I, I kind of got her beat from that. And, uh, you know, the first few seconds you dance with somebody, you're just seeing how they move and it's a little awkward. Well, I kind of got her feel on that, on that, uh, wall and I had to dance and it was like breathing. It's like, you know, I could no less dance than I could stop breathing. I stood up and took her hand and she says, what about my purse? There was two little old ladies behind us. And I handed one of the ladies her purse and said, well, you watch this for us? And she said, sure. So the first dance, we were just getting each other's moves. The second dance, we started to groove. And I'm telling you, the third dance, we were in a, a world all our own. I mean, there, nothing else existed. The thing is, at Disney Springs, there's a couple occasionally it'll dance, you know, to the music or something like that. But we were the only ones. And, you know, so often when we go back there, you know, we just unabashedly, you know, we just stand up and dance when we feel the groove. So we sat back down and this little lady and her friend who'd been, you know, watching us, uh, she gave me a high five and says, good job. I said, you know, this is our first date. And she looks at me and smiles and gives me a fist bump and says, you're killing it. (laughs) (laughs) So after that, we were never apart except for a, a week trip I took to West Virginia. And I talked to her every night and, you know, I'd love to sit here and tell you all these details, but uh, we really don't have time for that. But we felt deeply in love. Mm-hmm. And I brought her to Valdosta. I had her speak with a counselor at the cancer center. I had her speak to my oncologist so that there was no doubt what she was getting into. You know, and I was surprised they were all for it. And uh, I I thought there would be some reservations. And then we went to Atlanta and found a counselor and went through counseling with my two sons and her so that we could go into this thing with our eyes wide open, knowing what to expect, you know, holding nothing back. And uh, Regina, let me tell you, it's been great. We have these interludes every three months when, uh, you know, I have a PET scan and I'm sitting on pins and needles, sure. you know, waiting on the results. And Mary tells me, you know, she said, you know, God promised me a husband and, you know, God told me you're healed. But I went through that with Nancy and, you know, we had three wonderful years before her disease recurred. And, you know, we were thinking she was healed you know i've done the research i know how that works every time i go for a pet scan i get a little antsy but there's a drug now called keytruda it works with your immune system Mm -hmm. and for some people it works and some people it doesn't and i seem to be one of the blessed few it, it works for and that mary's faith my faith she believes that i'm healed and Man, what a relief that is for me. And if she's, she doesn't live in fear that she's going to lose me. Yeah. And, uh, man, we're just living life. We're loving it. 
Let me let me just pause. We're, we're near the end of the show here, and we're recording this on October eighth. And right at the beginning of our recording, you got the information, the results from your PET scan. And today is your third year wedding anniversary. Oh man, <laughs> so what a gift! And being able to share the the story and let people know that you know a horrible diagnosis is not the end. Right. You know, Nancy and I had over three years before her tumor recurred and they were wonderful. And then even after it recurred, you know, the love, like I said, it was a horrible, beautiful journey. So when you get that kind of diagnosis, it's not the end. Really, it's a wake-up call. Live life to the fullest. I don't know how I got the opportunities that I've had, you know, being able to travel and do, do some of those other things. Because I thought I'd work until I was 70 to have enough money to retire. But some way, you know, God's provided. You know, that's the other thing. One way or another, God will always provide. He's, he's right on time. I don't claim that my faith has healed me. You know, if anything, I'm like the centurion. You know, had faith to get his servant healed. Mary has faith. Man, what a wonderful wife she is in so many different ways. When you mentioned the timing, somebody said to me, God might not be early, but God's never late. <laughs> never too late. In your book, he never blinks. There you go. He sees okay. everything that's going on. Well, Greg, we're going to have to close up here. I want to thank you so much for sharing your story. There's so many parts to it. We could talk for hours on on all the different avenues your life has taken. Tell us the best way to find you on social media. I know that you have a website and you write some beautiful stories. Tell us yeah, that address. GregoryJustice.com. Uh, my biggest takeaway today is to really just get in there and live vibrantly. And like you said, it's 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 both. It's beautiful and horrible, but you wouldn't want to have less than, than all of that. You know, the horrible parts help you. I mean, Nancy and I had no idea the gold mine we were setting on. You know, it seemed like there should have been a little more or something different. You know, it's like, how much is enough? A little more. Man, enjoy what you got. Yeah. Well, I want you to close with your answer to this question. I ask all my guests, what is the best thing you do for yourself every day to create a life you love out of the life you have? To just be present in the moment and to have a a thankful heart. You know, you could dwell, you could very easily dwell on the bad stuff. Oh, you know, my job was so difficult my wife come down with cancer she passed away or then i had triple bypass heart surgery and and then i'm diagnosed with stage four lung cancer but man there was beauty sprinkled all through that you know i mean a rose has thorns thank you for walking us through that beautiful garden of your life Hey man, thank you. Thank thank you for letting me share it. And it's so good to finally meet Regina Brett. Well, it's funny because, you know, Nancy, my cousin, and uh, I saw you online and this is the first, like we've talked kind of face to face. So thank you so much for the journey that you were on and for loving Nancy so deeply. She was so blessed to have thank you. Thanks for listening to Little Detours with Regina Brett. If you want to know more about today's guest and topic, head to my podcast page at reginabrett.com. There you can also subscribe to my email newsletter so you never miss an opportunity to be inspired. For more episodes, you can subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. While you're there, 
please rate and review my show so we can reach and inspire even more people. Thanks for joining us today. Now go make something possible.